Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. You're a doc, you've studied this, you've talked to the researchers. You're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a couple of great guests for us to chat with. They are Matt and Sophia of the pre-roll company High Rollers, and they're going to tell us all about the world of artisanal pre-rolls. So we're going to have a great conversation with them today, and then towards the end of our show, we'll be hopefully hearing from you, our listeners, when I open up the call-in lines. But before we get started with that, I just have a couple announcements for you here. One is about the Equity Grant Program. Um, Yesterday, I attended a Zoom conference with the County of Mendocino uh, about the Equity Grant Program. So I thought I would just share some information from that webinar for our listeners there. And um, if you have a question about that, you're welcome to call in at the end. I will try my best to answer it, but a disclaimer that I am no expert. So in terms of the equity grant program, um, uh, you may know or you may not know that this is a program from California's social equity grant program. program from the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development through the state of California, and they are offering equity grant money to licensed um, cannabis cultivators and also to a limited degree those looking to develop a licensed cannabis business. Um, The county was just approved for a third round of funding, so there's currently going to be three rounds of funding. One is happening now, that is round one. And the state has funded our county in the amount of $2,245,704. And the deadline for applicants to receive that money has been pushed back to August of 2022. It was originally February, but it again has been pushed back to August of 2022. There is going to be another round of funding. I'm not sure when that will be opening, but that is going to be for $832,000. And the spending deadline, again, will be August 2022. And then there is a newly approved third round of funding that is also going to be in the amount of $2,944,035. And the spending deadline for that will be August of 2023. So if you're a licensed cannabis cultivator in Mendocino County and you are interested in applying for an equity grant and you have not done so, don't worry, you can totally still do it. If you go to the Mendocino Cannabis Program's website um, through Mendocino County website, there is more information there. 
Um, I'll read off a few statistics for you also. So in terms of actual people that applied for the equity grant program that have received their grant money, um, so far it's two for a direct grant and three for fee waivers. Um, There have been 121 approved grants And then there are many more still in process. Altogether, the county received 396 applications. Those are for both direct grants, which um, that's basically money to do things directly to your property, buy water tanks, um, drill a well, stuff like that. And then you can also apply for fee waivers, which helps you pay for fees in the cannabis program. Um, Once you apply for an equity grant, the processing timeline is about 10 to 17 weeks. It's kind of a long process. So again, I do totally encourage you to apply if you are interested. It's a great program and you have the opportunity to get some grant money to help you improve your legal cannabis business. And we all know that we can all really use that right now. Um, I'm going to read just a few examples of stuff that would be eligible for a fee waiver because I've heard a lot of people asking questions about that, and then we'll move on from this topic. But things that might be eligible for a fee waiver, um, permitting fees that are required for issuance and operation of a County of Mendocino commercial cannabis business permit may be eligible for a fee waiver through the equity grant program. Examples are ag-exempt permits for structures associated with your business premises, um, commercial buildings or greenhouse permits, grading permits for cannabis irrigation ponds or um, LSA projects, Department of Environmental Health stuff such as well permits for cannabis irrigation wells, commercial septic permits for employee use. Um, Examples of what would not be eligible this time for a fee waiver would be Class K residential building permits. Even if you do need to permit your building for your cannabis farm, if it's your residence, that's not eligible at this time. You also cannot use a fee waiver to pay for a grading permit for a non-cannabis irrigation-related pond. And you also cannot use it to pay for your state annual water board fees. All right. So there is the equity grant program update from me for the moment. And again, you're welcome to call in at the end of the show if you have some questions about that. And I will do my best to answer your questions. All right. The next announcement I have is we have just eight days left to enter the 2022 Emerald Cup. Some of the top licensed and home growers in the state have entered their best cannabis with hopes of standing on stage in downtown LA in May to accept one of the illustrious 2022 Emerald Cup Awards. In this terpene forward competition, your entry will help shape tastes for years to come. So the Emerald Cup is going to L.A. for the first time this year. It's going to be happening in conjunction with the Green Street Festival in May. And the focus is on terpenes and increasing terpene awareness this year, which I think is great. So if you are interested in entering the Emerald Cup, you can email contest at theemeraldcup.com. And again, that's contest at theemeraldcup.com. You have to make an appointment to drop off your entry. You can't just stop in. So it's important to get that taken care of. And um, the deadline is in eight days. It is February 25th. 
So I will make that announcement again at the end of the show in case you missed it. And all right, I'm going to move on to our guests today. I have Matt and Sophia here with me. They are from the artisanal pre-roll company called High Rollers. And they are going to tell us all about what it's like to make pre-rolls. There's actually so much that goes into it. I was really fascinated when I learned. So Matt and Sophia, are you here on the line with us? We are. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having us on. Morning. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. So I'd like to start my interview with you both um, by asking you each, what is your personal relationship with cannabis? Um, Sophia, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, You know, I've smoked cannabis since I was um, younger, and I think I've kind of developed a relationship with it over the years where um, it's... It's just something that um, I find my little rituals in. Like uh, I try, I, I definitely don't smoke during the day, but I usually have a little nightcap bowl <laughs> at the end of my day. Um, and that's just something I really look forward to. It's definitely something that I have used uh, for like my physical kind of ailments. I have back issues and I've been really relying on it a lot just to, um, been taking a lot of CBDs, gummies, tinctures, um, oils. So that's, it's kind of evolved into more of a medicinal tool for me over the years versus something recreational. I mean, I do still use it recreationally, but um, it's just the, my relationship with it has grown and evolved over the years. And it's a really important part of my life these days. Thank you, Matt. Would you like to share with us? What is your personal relationship with cannabis? Sure. It's uh it's been kind of a ride for me. Um, when I was, I started smoking when I was 14. Uh, and when I was 16, um, my parents thought I was a troubled youth because I smoked marijuana. So they sent me to boot camp in Northern Idaho, um, where, uh, I was with a bunch of other people that were in there for various reasons. Um, none of which cannabis seemed to be, uh, weighed as heavily as what they were doing, uh, to end up there. Um, and so it kind of opened my eyes to how people view things and the severity of, uh, of different, uh, different things compared to cannabis. Um, it's a plant. Um, and so I always thought it wasn't that big of a deal, but the rest of the world completely did. Um, and I have a reconstructed right leg as well as a neck, uh, C4 and 5. Um, so I'm in pain, you know, six or seven on a daily basis. And I use it to, to maintain my, my livelihood, my, my ability to function. Um, I don't, I don't smoke as much during the day as I used to, but, but definitely at night, uh, helps me stretch and relax and center myself. So, um, it's definitely a, a, a tool that I use to, to continue to, to be best or the best version of myself. I should circle back on something that he just made me think of too, is it? I definitely used to get in trouble when I was younger a lot. Like it was the main cause of why I was in trouble um, when I was a teenager and a youth. And um, my dad's an attorney and he hated that I smoked. And now he is our lawyer <laughs> for our cannabis business because I think he he started to see the shift in where the culture and the acceptance was going. So he's he's fully on board with everything we're doing now. Uh, as well as my dad is... Uh... What was uh, one of, is part of the high rollers? He's one of the uh, investors uh, that made this company possible. <laughs> yeah, so, so things have changed. Full circle. It's funny how stuff like that happens, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that brings brings us nicely to um, my next question, which is just: Could you tell our audience a little bit about high rollers and what high rollers is? 
Yeah. So we, um, it is High Rollers is an artisan pre-roll company. We, we just saw the pre-roll industry. Matt was working with a couple different companies and he was getting frustrated by the way things were done. I think there was a lot more emphasis put on uh, quantity over quality and just pushing out a product. And you know that he's, he takes, I'm kind of the back end business. He does the on on the groundwork and he takes a lot of pride in his work and the uh the care of the weed itself um not just like i said pushing something to sell um so he got to a point where he was frustrated and i you know i got tired of listening to him complain (laughs) and i told him to get off the couch and do something about it and to his credit he absolutely did and we started this company together and we've been making pre-rolls ever since and um i think matt will talk more about this but a big part of what what we're doing with this business is not about money and it's not about just it's not about money it's about the connections that we made it's about the people that we've met and that we work with and i mean it's just a testament because we're here with you today and we met you and you're wonderful and <laughs> it's uh become it's become much more than just a business for us it's really just uh i don't even know how to explain yeah, it. I'll, let, I'll let matt take it on from there so, uh, being a white labeler, we've worked with, I think, 52 companies to date um, over the last six years, uh, almost 2 million joints produced, 1.9 million and counting. I we think. should explain that we don't actually have our yeah. own joints. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we're just a skill set. So, every job uh, for somebody else is is our name. Um, we, we don't have a brand. Um, we just work in somebody else's facility, somebody else's farm, uh, on the road, um, all over the state of California. We've been as far south as San Bernardino and as far north as Arcata. Um, so treating uh, each job like it's ours because uh, it is, there. we don't have a brand, um, is really important to us. So, uh, you know, having a repeat customer, having making somebody happy, um, and bringing bring that energy to the consumer, which who doesn't really know that we exist? It's <laughs> it's really interesting working for uh, somebody uh, like say a brand and having the consumer know that we don't exist at all, and then having the brand pass off our work as theirs. Um, it's just this weird little bubble that we float in, um, and so. We, in order to get another job to have a, a referral, we don't really advertise. We have to do good work. We have to make a perfect thing so that you have a, a repeat customer to then buy that brand again. If you try somebody's, uh, try somebody's brand or a, a farmer's strain or, or anything like that, you want the customer to like and enjoy that experience. There's a dopamine response that happens when you enjoy something that, that, uh, that joint helps you enjoy your movie or take your walk or whatever it is that you're, that you're doing. And so, um, having that first experience be something that you want to repeat, um, is, is where we find, uh, where, where we find ourselves gravitating towards. And that, that's definitely an, an energy thing. So I just want to um, break in and clarify here for our listeners, pre-rolls are, are like um, pre-made joints. So that's what we're talking about. And white labeling is creating a product that's then going to be branded under someone else's name. So Matt and Sophia, what um, High Rollers does is you guys um, make... you sort of manufacture joints. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, we're, for, we're, we are not a right. cannabis company, actually. We're a cannabis adjacent, so we are a manufacturing company, technically. Yes. So you go in and you provide the labor to roll the joints, so to right. speak. 
Yeah, and I think once we kind of talk about the process, I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, your old joint's cool," but there is really, and as you can attest to, because you've heard the heard the background, but there's a lot of uh, love and care that goes into like curing the the cannabis and really spending your time to make sure it's the best quality to put. And that's what Matt's saying. If you want to, if you want to return customer, it can't have seeds and stems and things sticking out and bending and not, uh, you know, smoking right, not running. So <laughs> we live in a little micro world of joints, <laughs> which I don't think a lot of people really do. And I don't think a lot of people understand how much goes into them. So yes, uh, correct. We're manufacturing. <laughs> Should I just, so, uh, before we, Yes. Yes. I would love you to describe the process. But before we go into that, do you two like to smoke joints? Is that like your favorite way to consume cannabis? Or do you feel so sick of joints by the time you're done working that you're like, I don't even want to look at a joint? (laughs) Every day, all the time, unless I'm at home, in which case it's a bong. Uh, But I'm almost never home. I'm always on the road or driving around town having meetings with people. So yes, joints all day long. Whether I roll them or they're hand rolled, uh, you know, pre roller or regular joint, it's definitely joints. Um, honestly, when we started this, I didn't like smoking joints. <laughs> I mean, I liked, you know, it's like a, it was a thing more of like a social ritual, I'd say, with friends. Um, when we started this, it, the joints just weren't that great. They never really got me any that high. So um, I can definitely say I love smoking joints now because the quality that we're smoking is, it's just a much more pleasant activity. It, because of the care that goes into what's what Matt's making, like, it just yeah, it makes me want to smoke them. I'd have to say if I'm at home at night, I'll smoke a bong rip. But mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. so many different ways. Why not leave the door open to all of them? <laughs> yes, thank you for explaining that. I love joints also, and actually, a little background for our listeners is that I met. Matt and Sophia through Mendocino Producers Guild, and I'll talk more about MPG at the end of today's episode. But um, I had my farm, Wildland Cannabis, had actually done a collaboration with a cannabis company where I did not know this, but the mm-hmm. joints had actually been rolled by high rollers. So that's sort of how this all came together. I met Matt and Sophia at an MPG event, and they started telling me all about the process of rolling the joints. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that so much skill and knowledge and craft goes into making this product. And of course, I've smoked bad joints and it's like a horribly frustrating and sad experience, right? So what makes a joint good? What makes a joint bad? And just the whole process, if you guys want to just take the floor and explain to our listeners um, just from start to finish how it works, that would be awesome. Sure. So when I first started rolling back in 2016, um, I was working for a company called uh, High Rise, and he was making his uh, grinding up his material in a magic bullet. Uh, and the magic bullet, he would just process littles uh, and stems and seeds and all of that into a fine powder, and then put them into uh, pre rolls. And I was, I, I, I smoked one initially, and I was like, these are these are fun. Uh, and um, then I found out that there were seeds and stems and stuff in there, and I was like, wow, we we need to do something about this. I, um, I don't like smoking seeds and stems. So, uh, over the years, um, I think it was 2017 with the, with the big tubs fire in Santa Rosa. Uh, my friend, John Shear was making sifters for people to sift through their ashes, uh, of their houses. And so I had an idea, 
um, to have him modify one of the sifters uh, to fit a black and yellow bin, um, because that's something that every facility has, um, to sift out seeds and stems um, and, and during the grinding process. And so that's kind of how it started was to grind up things slowly, break them down um, and sift out the undesirables. Um, after that, I found that when you grind material, um, it it needs to be recured again. It's just kind of like plucking a fresh nug off of the vine or off of the off of a bud or, or off of a plant. You need to cure it because of the water content. And so when you grind the material up, uh, you need to restart that process over again. Um, and so different people have different curing processes depending on uh, a where they're located and b what they're you know what if they have a facility or how they dry their things. Um, and so over the years, I found the right way to recure material. So that way, when you put it into a paper, it doesn't stick to the sides um, because part of why joints are funky is that machines will process material and then stick it directly into a paper. And when that happens, it, it tends to get clumpy and not burn evenly uh, and be too sticky. So typically I, I let things cure for a week to two weeks, depending on the climate, depending on the situation, at least three days typically. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> where, where to go from here as far as that is concerned. Um, but yeah, g- grinding, grinding it all. And there's no, no machine. The only machine that we use in this whole process is the grinder itself. We hand sift everything. Um, I listened to Snoop when I was a kid and he said, no seeds, no stamps, no sticks. So I took him literally, uh, in that. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, I'm not sure. Let's see where to, you want to help me out here? <laughs> so what, what is, I have a question though. What's the yeah, grinder please. like? Um, so it's just a big, um, shredder. Uh, it's, you know, the older version of a shredder. They didn't have all the new technical stuff that, uh, they do now for, for, so it's just the big drum. Literally it's a weed whacker, pun intended. <laughs> it looks like it's just got the motor with the, with the big spindle and then the little weed whacker vines that come up, uh, through the center. Uh, and so then I just dump that into a bin. And like I said, I have a sifter that fits the black and yellow and I, and I hand sift all the undesirables out, um, little, little bits at a time. So how many times do you sift? Like how much pro? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, both of you. Uh, I can do about 10 pounds in an hour. Uh, that's typical. And that's with tracking all the data, um, you know, starting weight and then water loss and floor and, um, you know, all that stuff. And I started tracking data and information because uh, we were sourcing things from different people. And so if you're you got uh, something from a farmer uh, that was 10% loss, right? You'd be like, okay, 10% uh, stem ratio for your littles that we bought from you. And you get another farmer and then you get 18% from them. You're like, well, they're not cleaning up their littles as much. Let's not get stuff from them again. Let's go with people that with the 10% loss. So um, kind of the evolution of, of processing things and tracking the data is about 10 pounds an hour. Oh, I see what you're saying here. So you're talking about how, like, if you buy littles from someone and those littles are really stemmy, um, you know, you paid for the whole weight, but then you have a loss of product once you remove those stems because you sift them out. You don't you don't put them in the pre-rolls, which some companies do. It sounds like that's what you were describing before that in some. Yeah, I would say most companies do. I, I don't know. 
to anybody who's, I mean, it, it just depends, I guess there's new machinery and stuff like that, but in terms of like really safety, I would, that's what I was asking before was, I think you said what, three or four times? As many as needed. To the, uh, every strain. So part of what I do is I set consistencies in mother nature. Uh, as you know, Jen, there's no booklet on mother nature and how the days change, climates change. You can grow the same strain in a different hoop and it reacts slightly different. Uh, so setting consistencies, uh, in this process was really important to know if I was doing a good thing or a bad thing. And then, so then you could readjust from there. No. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and when you grind, when you grind that product up and you're recurring it, um, do you use a moisture meter or are you looking for a certain feel and texture? How do you judge when the curing is complete? So, um, I just do everything by feel. Um, I've tried those moisture meters are, are nice when you have a bud to stick them into. Um, but they don't go into ground up materials so well. Um, so typically what I do is I'll just come check things. You can, I could tell by the look and also by the feel typically when I ball something up, because that's kind of what you do when you put things into a pre-roll. Um, is that I, I kind of grab a, a chunk of it and, and clump it into a ball. And if it completely sticks together and makes a, a you know, a, a ball up out of the material, then it's probably not going to have good airflow uh, when you put it into a pre-roll. Uh, so if it breaks, starts breaking apart a little bit, then you know that you're, you're on the right track. Um, but typical moisture, probably around 10%, I'd say ish, a little, maybe a little lower, depending on, depending on the strain. Uh, you know, some, some strains have higher water content than others. And, uh, CBDs are a little bit different than sativas, which are a little bit, uh, fluffier than an indica. So, um, you know, it's all, all the, all the variables. And I think that's another thing that I, I don't know that Matt addressed, but he's really very good at paying attention to the details. And I, I really think that's what separates him apart from other people doing this because like you said, he's, he's tracking, you know, each, each quantity of uh, cannabis that comes in, he's looking at it as a whole when, when we intake it. And then he's literally just making notes on every single piece of it, like where it goes, if it's in the joint, if it's uh, stems that get removed, if it's fallen on the floor, if it's water weight. So at the end of the day, we can, turn around and give back to whoever's product it is a really comprehensive overview of exactly where the product went. So um, I just think that's, I don't know anybody else that's working on that when they don't have to be. So um, it's helped us out in a lot of situations. And I think it just really makes the quality stand out because we know exactly what's happening to it. So after you cure the product and it's all ready to go, um, how does it get into the rolling paper? You pay, you pack it in. Can you describe that process for our listeners? Sure. So um, we hand cut every paper to the desired pack weight. So if you wanted a 0.35, we would cut your paper to uh, 60 millimeters, depending on your size of your crutch. Uh, if you wanted a half gram, 70 millimeters. You wanted a 0.7, uh, 77 millimeters. Gram would be about 100. Uh, and so we physically cut papers to each size. We put them in a knock box. Um, it's the little knock boxes that come with shaky tables. Um, those don't work too well. Uh, so we created a, another, uh, what we call a knocking station. And that's what you signed, Jen, at the MPG uh, meeting that we had. It's basically a table um, that we put a rubber mat and linoleum on top. Uh, and we physically take the 
cones in the knockbox and we use gravity to pack it on top of the table as opposed to using uh, machinery to achieve that. Uh, we think that by picking up each little bit of material by hand and sprinkling things in layers like you would do at home, that you have much more control over the product that you're creating. Uh, you can see stems if we missed a little during the sifting process. We also have the ability to dump off stuff if we see it going into the joint. Um, so that's, uh, and then we've actually, once we pack those boxes, um, we will take a different size glass rod, uh, made by a guy named Chris Hansen out of Santa Rosa. And he makes, uh, different size glass rods for each, uh, circumference, uh, paper that we're using. Um, so, and then I'll, we'll take the glass rod and vertically twist your joint, uh, the paper closed. Um, we thought that you know, you take a paper and you roll your joint by hand horizontally that you twist the paper around the material. Well, we thought the same thing should happen when you um, do a pre-roll that you should actually vertically roll your pre-roll clothes. So that's what we do. We twist the joint in three to four different motions, uh, twisting the cap uh, kind of, it's like inverted, inverted hemi uh, <laughs> nipple, as somebody called it, which is hemispherical nipple, right? Back back indented. Uh, and that allows the material to catch first before the paper. So that you're, when you light the pre-roll, it's actually burning from the interior and then catching the, the paper on the, on the exterior versus the twisted top uh, uh, technique uh, where it lights the paper and then you have a difficult time lighting the material inside. You just get up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is clearly so much passion that goes into making these pre rolls, and I just absolutely no, I'm I'm so serious. I absolutely love listening to you explain the why, like why you do each step in a certain way. Because I love to smoke joints too, and I know what you mean. It's like when you roll a joint and you twist the paper at the end. It's like the first couple hits you take. It's all this burning paper, right? It's super Mm -hmm. gross, actually. So that is so cool. And I had no idea that that was why your pre-rolls looked that way. Like they do have that little indentation at the top. Um, I'm wondering if you can describe a little more how you use the glass rod to do the twisting of the paper. Um, Because I'm super curious about that, but I can't quite picture in my mind uh, how that would work. Yeah, it's uh, something that we've actually never shown anybody. Unless you've worked with us and been trained by us, you don't know how to do it um, because that's our that's our thing uh, is that we it takes about a month to three months to learn how to close that thing properly, uh, close a close a paper properly. It's basically twi- twisting the the pre roll in between your thumb uh, and your pointer and your middle finger. Uh, in in a in a in a twisting motion along with the glass rod in your in your other hand and you're twisting both the rod and the paper so that the, the material is pushed down and twisted and the paper on the exterior is uh, twisted in the other direction allowing the material to roll itself around or with the paper inside I don't know if that makes sense I don't at all. know if that makes sense <laughs> I get what he's saying I basically you know, it totally it do- yeah okay, good you're using the glass rod to basically you pack down the the weed to make sure it's you know tight in there and then you basically twist around and use the glass rod to fold it in on itself I think is what you're trying to say yeah basically <laughs> yeah 
I can totally picture that now that you described it again. Thank you. And wow, I can't believe you do this all by hand. Like I'm trying to imagine how long it would take to close every single joint like that by hand with these glass rods. Like how long does it take you for the average order from start to finish? Well, it depends on the size that we're making. We specialize in uh, half grams and smaller. Uh, we can do grams. We can do any size. We've done from a 0.3 up to uh, 12 gram, which that's, <laughs> I don't typically recommend that you roll a 12 gram pre-roll, uh, but we've done it before. Uh, and so to be a high roller, um, you need to uh, roll a thousand in an eight hour shift. That is the mark. It is a... A badge of honor, shall we say, um, to to be able to achieve that. Um, so it depends on uh, the person and the output. Uh, Rue is the best of us. He has rolled 3,028 in one sitting. Now, that was a little longer than an eight-hour shift, um, but uh, that is the, the current record. That's wild, though. I mean, he's good. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> not he's not human. He's a freak of nature. <laughs> So it sounds like you two have a couple employees to help you out. We do. I think at the, I think we had about seven employees at the peak. Um, Five owners and two actual employees. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So right now, we decided to. Um, both of us were in Santa Rosa, and we decided mid-pandemic that uh, we just needed a change. So we moved up to Eureka, which we absolutely love. Um, but we kind of just put things on the back burner with high rollers for a minute to kind of regroup. We were. We were working a lot. We had steady work and we had a whole crew, but we were not necessarily going in the direction of the, like, we just didn't feel right. It staying just, true it, to our roots. Yeah, staying true to what we had, like, set out to do and our integrity in terms of a company. So we took a step back and I think it was, a, honestly, it was a really great decision. We got to focus more on what we really wanted to do and it, it's been good. But yeah, they're still, they're still there. They're just kind of hanging out for us and wait until we come out of the shadows again <laughs> regrouping. regrouping uh we have moved by moving up here i wanted to a work with some of my friends um as well as farmers because uh i'm what what my objective is over the next 20 years our objective is over the next 20 years is to find people that don't want to necessarily take our ip and use it for themselves but to add their slice our slice included into a bigger pie to work together for the next 15 to 20 years until we get sick of doing this to build something uh, together. Uh, that's not something that I've typically run into in the industry. And the triangle has a lot more love and care for what they do uh, in terms of finding people that actually are, are skilled at their, at their craft uh, as opposed to just looking at the monetary compensation in the moment. Um, so that's why we came up here was to navigate um, the next 20 years with people that were more like-minded. Right on. And you certainly hit the nail on the head with that one. I think that is definitely um, a good representation of the ethos in the Emerald Triangle is people do really value their craft and they see the value of working together for a greater good. Mm -hmm. So I think you guys definitely picked the right place to relocate to. Um, I wanted to kind of just ask a few more questions about the rolling process, if that's okay. So you said you cut the papers. Do you cut them by hand, like with scissors, or do you have some sort of like paper cutter? I'm just imagining someone sitting there like snipping all of these papers for hours. So is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we build devices uh, to, to the desired pack weight. 
uh, two cut papers. So there's these little devices that are um, cut to the desired length. length that we want the paper to be. And then we load them full of papers uh, and then we physically cut them with scissors. So we're cut. I mean, you can cut. What is it? So it's like 30 at a time. Uh, 18 for the whole six at, in one okay. scissor cut. So you're cutting. It's not that much at a time. <laughs> it takes a while. It's a. It's definitely. That's why we call them artisanal because they they're made with love and they take time. Well, I mean, you don't have excess paper that way as well. Yeah, no, it makes them lovely, but yeah, uh, it is a labor of love. Uh, and eventually, I would like to create papers for the right pack weight, um, which there's some in the industry. The problem with uh, most people is that they either create a paper or they create a machine. They don't actually do the process. Um, so maybe eventually one day we will get somebody to make papers the right size so that it, we don't have to cut them. Um, we're, we're pretty quick at it now. I can cut. I uh, started timing myself for on cutting papers uh, in, in, in the past year, and I can do like 340 papers in about 15 minutes. Just to cutting and cutting them and loading them into the knock box. Yeah, I mean, it's like the more questions I ask, the more amazed and the more it blows my mind this whole process. And this is exactly why I wanted to bring you guys on the air is that people like really don't know. And it's so important to promote artisanal cannabis products at this point in time, especially, um, you know, companies that work with our Emerald Triangle cultivators like you guys do. Um, because you go into the store, you know, and there's like all these products and some of those products honestly are just not great. Um, and then there's products like the product that you help produce. That's like absolutely amazing. That is totally, uh, just of the highest caliber. Um, because I'm sure at the other end of the spectrum, there's pre-rolls that are produced in mass that just are not of a very high quality. Um, I know myself, like I've gone into, and I'm a cannabis cultivator, but I've gone into stores and bought a pre-roll just like, oh, I'm going to pick up some random pre-roll. And it's like horrible. Mm -hmm. It tastes bad. It's bitter. It's dry. It's just like not a pleasant smoking experience. Mm -hmm. So I really like my hat is off to you too, because this truly is a craft product. Like it really, really is. Um, and I have a bunch more questions that I want to ask you, but I'm also going to open up the phone lines and then we'll just keep chatting, um, while people call in. So if you're out there listening again, this is the cannabis hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci, and I have Matt and Sophia here from high rollers, and they have been giving us a glimpse into the world of artisanal pre-rolls. Um, it's a very beautiful world. And if you want to ask them a question or you want to ask me a question about the um, Cannabis Equity Grant Program, which I talked about a little earlier, please feel free to give us a call. The phone number at the station is 707-895-2448. That is 707-895-2448. All right. And while we wait to see if we have any callers, um, is there a certain kind of rolling paper that you always use for high rollers or does um, the customer tell you, you know, what kind of paper they want you to be using? Both. Um, I recommended cones uh, for years and now I can't source them at all. They're just sold out. Uh, this what the knocking station is covered in is cone stickers. Used to get one sticker in a box of eight hundred to a thousand papers, depending on the size. 
Um, and I can't find those anymore. The other paper that uh, I recommended can't find those anymore either, as well as the papers that I used, uh, the element papers that I used for the MPG, really hard to find those as well. There's a huge uh, issue in the industry right now for sourcing things in general. Uh, most papers are sitting in the uh, shipping yard in uh, Long Beach uh, down there. So, or, you know, where, wherever else shipping, shipping containers are being held. Um, so yeah, that's another reason why we like to modify a paper to be able to fit the, the achieved pack weight, uh, is because you can't always get what you want. And so if you can't always get what you want, being able to modify what you have to make the best of it, um, is, is really important, I think. And I think that's lost a lot on this day and age, is uh, being able to take what you have uh, and make the best of so- with it um, instead of oh, just, you know, using something once and throwing it away. Um, and I think that people up in the triangle uh, do a lot more of that than the rest of the world. Well, looks like we already have a caller on hold, which is awesome. So we're going to pause there for a second and we're going to go ahead and put this caller through. Hi, caller. You are live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? Hi, yes, thank you. Um, Just a side note, it's sounding like an infomercial for commercial products. Uh, I think our listeners would rather hear more important topics like what's going on with our permit process, what's going on with our small farmers. Um, And when the gentleman is speaking about the papers on Long Beach, well, it brings up another topic. We're country people here. We can make paper. We can have source out all kinds of things. So I just wanted to say we'd rather hear... You know, I'm glad the guy's in business. I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. But it, we're all sitting here laughing about talking about rolling joints. This is Mendocino County, after all. Um, thank you for your time. Bye. Well, thank you, caller, for sharing your opinion there. You know, my intention with today's show was definitely to um, give a nod to this truly artisanal product, which I think really represents the spirit of artisanal craft products in Mendocino County. And if you are a listener of the Cannabis Hour, you will know we have a great many policy shows and you can find them on our archives um, at kzyx.org. So I hope you check that out there and thanks for tuning in. So moving on to our um, conversation here with High Rollers today, You guys like to use certain kinds of papers, but you haven't been able to source them too well is what you're saying. Do you prefer like hemp papers, rice papers? Um, Is there like a certain kind of texture that you like that lends itself better to what you do? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, rice papers tend to burn the best. There's a little less taste uh, in them. Uh, but it's it's really preference. You know, um, hemp papers tend to stretch and not hold shape as well. So when you roll them, they can tend to uh, come undone a little uh, more. So by the time they get to the consumer, um, they're uh, they can be you know a little dis- disheveled or disshaped depending on the packaging that you're putting them into. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that there. Um, I love rice papers as well. So it looks like we have another caller holding and we're going to go ahead and put them through. Hi, caller. Are you here with us? You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Yes, I'm I'm here with you. Um, you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
being as Matt is uh, not a brand, how do I know how to get his high-quality joint when I go into a dispensary and say, I want one rolled by high rollers? (laughs) Yeah, I want one rolled by high rollers, too, because it sounds awesome. So we'll go ahead and have Matt answer that question. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask before we have Matt address that? No, I'll just take it off the air. Thank you very much. Matt, you want to go ahead and uh, answer that caller? Uh, Sure. I mean, right now there's no way to tell anybody anything about how to find our stuff. Um, I I wish there was a better way. We'd we'd like to implement some kind of stamp of approval, um, you know, but that's up to the brand to acknowledge that we're doing a thing. So um, we just let people you know say or not say uh that it's us um and so far nobody's wanted to claim um that things are made by us instead they they just pass it off as their own work and you know that's fine i mean we've definitely worked with some companies who uh you know social media posts and stuff definitely give us shout outs but at this point i mean like we said before that wasn't really what we were setting out to do was making a name for ourselves it was really just kind of providing this the service that matt does and that we do to people who are interested in it i think at some point uh well we're working on our website right now and at some point we'll have a list of the companies that we are rolling for so you'd be able to find out there but yeah in the meantime it's you won't know (laughs) it's just it's just word of mouth we only work with people that are referred to by us uh because it's an energy thing it's you know uh seems to seems to have worked out so far yeah, I mean, I don't know if if you are not comfortable sharing this information, I completely understand. But would you like to share some of the names of the brands that you work with? I don't know where that falls in your in your spectrum of agreements with the businesses or anything. But if you would like to, go ahead. And if not, we can move on to the next question. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've we signed NDAs with almost every company and, and protect what they want to do. Uh, so we will, we'll just, we'll just leave it at, uh, there's 52 of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And hopefully we can bring you, um, you listener who called in with that question. We can have some more concrete information for you in the future. And if so, I will definitely announce it on another episode of the cannabis hour moving forward. Um, all right. What has it been like operating high rollers in the regulated market? You know, you guys mentioned earlier that you are not a cannabis company. You're like cannabis adjacent. You just provide a service to a cannabis company. So how has that worked um, in terms of regulation? Um, You know, it's I guess it's not much of a difference for us in terms of like the work we're doing. But we've been along for this ride and been in the in, in the cannabis industry the last, what, five, five or six years. So, uh I mean, our hearts just in it, especially with our friends and family and everything that's been going on the last couple of years. Um, I don't know that specifically for our business, it's made things kind of better or worse, but well, I can jump in there. Yeah. I mean, well, let's do uh, this last year. I, nobody, I mean, when we moved up here, I didn't see the industry doing what it did. I mean, I knew that it might get tough, but this, what, yeah. what we've dealt with this last year is, is insane. Um 20 this December of this last year, for instance, I prepped 
uh, 69.43 pounds, I think it was about $20,000 worth of work. Uh, and I didn't do any of it. All of that was for farmers. Just the impact of, of the magnitude of what's happening right now is a lot. It's heavy. Um, so in terms of that and doing work and readjusting to what it is that we're doing right now, it's, it's been a little heavy and a little tough. Um, but we, you know, we're still here. We're still trying to chuck along just like everybody else. Um, you know, investing in, in people such as yourself is, has been very, very rewarding and, uh, um, feels good every day waking up with a, with a clear conscious conscience, um, I think is, is the most important, is the most important part of this for us. Um, but, uh, it is, it is tough. Yes, absolutely. I think we can all echo that sentiment of it being tough for sure. Um, you know, if you're out there listening and you have a question or comment for Matt or Sophia, or you have a question about the equity grant update or the Emerald Cup entry that I talked about earlier, we have time for maybe one or two more callers. So that phone number is 707-895-2448. That is 707-895-2448. All right. So I just wanted to circle back around quickly to the um, part of the show earlier where we were discussing how you produce the pre-roll. Are there certain strains that you really love to work with or like, are there certain strains that don't make that are not as easy to work with, or is that not a, really a variable? Yeah. So <laughs> tough things to roll would be like a real fluffy sativa. So like a sour, sour D for instance, mm-hmm. that's, that's rough. Um, just because it's like spongy and fluffy and doesn't pack well. Uh, and then you get pockets in there because of how it breaks down uh not one of my favorites to to roll um i like smoking it (laughs) but uh not not as not as fun to uh to process or or to produce um i think the favorite that i've produced would be your remedy um from i think that was 2019 that i did that uh it broke down like butter uh, (laughs) and it rolled like a gem and it was a pleasure to work with. So, and that was a, a the CBD. Was it twenty to one? I think it was something somewhere around there. I think it was. Yeah, it was really high CBD. Lovely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's you know there's the pros and cons. It's, it's Mother Nature, so you can't always expect it to be perfect. Um, by collecting all these variables and being able to adjust to Mother Nature, I mean, I think that's what makes. Uh, us good at, at our job um but yeah there's definitely definitely some things are tougher than others to to produce and to make a good product out of um as well as like if you infuse a thing um you know the density is is what determines the length of it you're if you weigh something at a half gram if it's full of hash or rosin it's going to be shorter than it is um if if it wasn't infused and so a, a lot you can make a joint two different ways you can uh, make it by size or you can make it by weight um, there's also two different ways to smoke a joint, uh, by yourself, uh, or with somebody else. <laughs> so hopefully that's always better with friends. I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it looks like we have, um, one caller here. We'll probably be our last caller for today. So we're going to go ahead and put that caller through. Hi caller. Are you here with us? You're live on, yeah. on the cannabis hour. Hello. 
Hey, I was wondering, you know, with all the smoke and ash in the environment the last couple of years, is that an issue for the product, or is there somebody checking that or quality control or something like that? And I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for that great question. Matt and Sophia, um, would one of you like to, or both of you, like to address that? Uh, sure. So I, if you are not a farmer and you're a brand um, and you're getting product from somebody else, I always recommend that you test it first, uh, just to make it, just to ensure that, you know, it's not compromised in any fashion before you do all the work, before you make hash out of it, before you make pre-rolls out of it, before you do whatever you do, just make sure that you have a clean thing. Um, that's also, you know, you don't want to be known (laughs) for not making good things. Right. Uh, so just, you know, ensure that you're getting a quality thing to start. You can't have, it's good in, good out. So if you start with something inferior, you're going to have an inferior product, uh, at least in my experience. And I think that's possibly like what other people, when we talk about like pre-rolls that aren't that great of a quality, I I think people tend to kind of put the leftover, you know, whatever they're not going to sell, it's not pretty, it doesn't smell great, put those in pre-rolls. So I think starting with really good quality cannabis goes a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can speak from the perspective of a licensed cultivator that um, all of our product is tested before it goes to market. So if something has heavy metals um, or ash, you know, contamination from a fire, uh, it will not be made into a regulated product. So if you're buying your um, cannabis from a licensed retail outlet, you know, the chances of getting something that's going to be negatively affected by smoke, I think, is is not likely to happen to you uh, because that's a real concern. You can get heavy metals in there from all the smoke. There can be ash. There can certainly be an unpleasant taste and smell. Um, so that's it's totally a legitimate concern. And yeah, we're reaching the last three minutes of our time here today. So Matt and Sophia, would you like to, is there just anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we um, close the show today? And please make sure to share your contact information um, in case we have a farm out there that really wants to make some pre-rolls and wants you guys to do them because you do a great job at what you do. Awesome. I just thank you so much for having us on. This has really been a pleasure and it's been really exciting to just connect with you in the community and um, really looking forward to the farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. So for the future of us, we are uh, teaming up with a longtime friend, uh, Matt Hummocky. He owns a farm called uh, Tranquility Lane Farms. He's out in Whitethorn area. Uh, he's got a spot up here in Eureka that uh, Sophia's brother is going to be running. Uh, and so that's our long-term uh, home, hoping we're going to call that home for the long term. Um, and so that we'll be able to work with uh, people locally here um, as well as anywhere else. Um, but that's going to, that's our, that's our long-term goal. Uh, and if you'd like to get in contact with us, um, we are uh, at we roll higher at gmail.com. Thank you. All right. Thank you both. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, say thank you. Thank you for having us. This is. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you both <laughs> for making the time to be on the show today. I really appreciate you giving us a window into the world of artisan pre-rolls because there is certainly so much craft that goes into what you do. And I think that really aligns with the ethos of the um, craft cannabis and the small farmers that we have up here in the Emerald Triangle. 
So I'm glad you've joined us up here. And thanks again for what you do. And I hope to have you guys on again in the future. Um, before we sign off today, I just wanted to say, you know, Matt and Sophia mentioned the Mendocino Producers Guild Farmers Markets just now. And those are going to be a series of upcoming farmers markets that are going to be highlighting our, our small farmers here in Mendocino County. Um, they are going to be cannabis and artisanal producers markets. And those will be held in Laytonville this summer. There's currently four scheduled, April 23rd, May 28th. June 25th and July 30th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 44550 Willis Avenue in Laytonville, California. There's going to be over 60 booths displaying the best of Mendocino County's cannabis farms and craft artisans. There will be free admission. It is family friendly. There is fair pricing. There will be a consumption lounge on site and there will also be no dogs and alcohol. So if you are interested in checking those out, um, I will be there and many other wonderful small farmers in Mendocino County will be showcasing their beautiful cannabis there. You can find more information at www.mendocinoproducersguild, that's G-U-I-L-D, guild.org. So again, that's mendocinoproducersguild.org. All right. This has been another episode of the Cannabis Hour. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will be back in two weeks with another episode for you. And you can always reach me at kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. Have a beautiful day. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.